This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon and welcome. We are taking a deep dive into the province's plans to take over the sale of marijuana when it's legalized next summer. Ontario will launch up to 150 standalone retail outlets for pot, and they will be controlled by the LCBO. They'll actually be called the CCBO. You'll have to be 19 to buy weed and you will only be able to use it in a private residence. The government also made it clear that it will be mandating police to shut down the private dispensaries that exist on many street fronts now. What do you think of that plan? Is it good for the government to monopolize this? The numbers to call. 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. And first, we are going to be talking to the man known as the Prince of Pot, pot activist and entrepreneur Mark Emery, and pharmacist Billy Chung, who's going to talk about how this will impact the medicinal use of cannabis. Gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us. Hi, Libby. Nice to be here. Okay, great. Um, Mark is in Ottawa to give testimony on this subject before the Health and Safety Committee today. Uh, So let's start with you, Mark. What do you think of the province's plans? Well, it's the worst of all possible worlds. Imagine if you uh, had been a member of a group that had been persecuted for 50 years and two and a half million of your people had been arrested and charged and hundreds of thousands had gone to jail and all because of a little plant, a peaceful little plant that hurts no one. There should never have been a marijuana law. There should never have been a prohibition. It's completely unjustified. It's never been justified. You know, I've never heard a politician give me one explanation as to what social good the marijuana laws were supposed to produce. Well, well, there's there's some evidence that it's uh, harmful to young people with developing brains. But be that as it may, the government moved to legalize it. Um, You were on the forefront of that battle. Uh, You're a a marijuana entrepreneur. I don't consider this legalization, though. This is just another way of prohibiting marijuana. I mean, there, there are more marijuana laws being passed through the Cannabis Act that's being before Parliament this week than there are currently now. They're adding more criminalization. All they're really doing is allowing a monopoly to distribute the marijuana. They're allowing a monopoly to produce the marijuana. But basically, they're keeping most Canadians as criminals. If you grow marijuana, if you sell it. Well, you aren't you allowed? You're allowed to have four plants, right? Well, yeah, but there can only be three feet high or something ridiculous. It's it's got it's a it's a bureaucrat's wet dream. Because there are 300 pages. The Cannabis Act is 300 pages long. And it's all rules and regulations that have punishments if you don't obey those rules and regulations. What legalization means is that the people who are growing marijuana now, the people who are selling it now, are now legal to do so. Why would we take 
a whole industry, a whole culture. This is a culture, the cannabis culture. Why would we want it usurped from us and given over to the government that's persecuted us? The government's been our enemy. The government has tortured us. The government has haunted us and hounded us for 50 years. And now we're supposed to let them take away our whole culture and monopolize it for their own use after being so terrible to us for 50 years? It's never going to happen. We'll never permit it. We'll, we'll do extreme things, perhaps. We'll do many different things, but we're not going to ever allow the government to have a monopoly in production or distribution of marijuana. It's just never going to happen. There'll never be any peace with us as long as that's the case. Well, that's uh, what are you planning to do to the Ontario government? Anything it takes to stop their plan. And that could be any number of things that we haven't even ever tried yet. But there's just no way we're going to let the government, who have been our persecutors, who have rounded up two and a half million Canadians in 50 years, take over our industry. We'd rather it be illegal. We'd rather it be in our hands and still illegal than, than give it to them and let them profit by it, and let them persecute us, and let, us, let them use us. Essentially, they're just using it. They're condescending to us like children, and they're saying, you can't look after it. You're not qualified. You're not responsible. We're going to do it because we're the government. And the government has been evil to us for 50 years, so there's absolutely no way we will ever accept the government regulating it and controlling it and monopolizing it like they plan to do. It's just never going to be allowed to happen. We've been going to jail by the hundreds of thousands for decades now, and we will continue to do that and continue to break the law in order to make sure that our people are truly, genuinely free, and that this is an authentic legalization where all Canadians get to participate, where all Canadians are legal, where all Canadians are free to pursue their bliss with this wonderful plant that, after all, we handled the black market for 50 years, and not a single Canadian died. Um, no government operation has ever been that clean or efficient. Okay, let's uh, let's bring in Billy Chung. Hi, Billy. Billy Hi, is a pharmacist, and his interest, of course, is the medicinal use of marijuana. So, how is this model of distributing uh, marijuana by the government, recreational marijuana? How is that going to impact uh, the medicinal side? Well, you know, in the last uh, number of years, as there has been more. Uh, media, more tension around this, and definitely, obviously, in the last uh, number of days with the government making these changes, it's, um, it's, it's, it's getting people to think about it, look at it, and, and our pharmacists, one of the things we're seeing with pharmacies and our pharmacists a lot more now are people inquiring and asking. They're asking about, what about medicinal? cannabis because it's 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 something that maybe hasn't been talked about as much lately um i i know that there's physicians and pharmacists who in the past may not even been aware that patients are using it whether it's recreational or medicinal and we're hearing more about it and uh, ultimately at the end of the day what we're seeing is that our, our pharmacists are taking on a, a big role in terms of from a medicinal perspective in terms of helping patients in terms of understanding what it is um, whether there's opportunities in terms of uh, clinically to be able to help them in some of their therapies and treatments um, and uh, being able to support that in a certain way from a, from a medicinal perspective. Now, you were also saying that um, if, if, if more people uh, have access to it recreationally uh, and they're on certain prescription drugs, there can be an interaction, so you have to know. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, there's, there are certain medications that can uh, affect the uh, cannabis in the, in the body, and there are certain medications that 
cannabis can affect as well that people may be taking in terms of medications as well. So there is that opportunity for that pharmacist to be able to take on a little bit more of a role around even ensuring that there's no drug interactions or concerns or things that people need to be aware of as well, right? So cannabis can uh, affect, especially people who are on sedatives, hypnotics, enzyobotics, things like that. Uh, there's effect on that, so people need to be aware of that as well. Okay, uh, let's take a couple of calls. We've got uh, Susan in Hamilton. Hi, Susan. Hi. Yeah, I I agree with Mark Emery. Um, I don't believe the government should run it. I, what they've run already, people have already gotten sick. I had a prescription for six months um, that I didn't use. I had some oil, and it was poison. And they never told me until I went to place another order. So there you go. That's right the there. pesticide. And I go to the stores. I've never gotten sick yet from the stores. They're nice to me. They tell me what's good for me, for my conditions. And, you know, there's been no problems except they're going to force people to go back to the illegal market if they start opening these stores. Because when I go in the liquor store now, they're a bunch of snobs. They make like 20 bucks an hour and they're a bunch of snobs. I don't even like to go in there to be serious with you. And they're going to be running the cannabis now? No, I don't want it. Okay, Sorry, so you would... You... It'll be... It'll be putting people back up on the black market again. Well, the government says that this is a way to control the black market. Th- Susan, thanks for your call, Mark. Uh, what do you, how do you respond to that, Mark? The black market has supplied marijuana across this country, uh, and I would say over $200 billion worth in the last 50 years for export and for domestic use. And like I say, we didn't kill anybody. Nobody died in 50 years except by government action. The police, by the way, have killed people in the marijuana wars. They've killed thousands of pets over 50 years. They've killed humans. They've killed Canadians. Our product never killed anybody. So, Well, I'm, I, years, I'm not sure that's, uh, I'm not sure that, you know, I haven't checked that number. So just go ahead. What, I just wanted what? with a caveat on that. Well, listen, you can't, the government has has had a very vicious war against us for 50 years. Uh, you just need to research marijuana police uh, death, kill, and you're going to find a number of them because police raid people all the time across Canada, and they use guns to do it. Did you see what happened when my dispensary was raided? I was, they, you know, first of all, my wife just pointed out, they strip you down naked when they arrest you. What, for marijuana? How outrageous, right? And so many other indignities that have been involved in 50 years of police persecution. And now the very same agency wants to sell us marijuana, and they want to sell it to us with a a smug monopoly. I mean, it's just ridiculous. It's never going to happen. It's like if any other culture, if you were gay and the government said, we're going to control your entire culture, we're going to tell you what the rules of engagement are, we're going to tell you how to behave, we're going to tell you where to go, we're going to tell you what clubs to show, Go to no, it's ridiculous. So, the what do you think? Uh, what to people in the, what the do residential th- schools? They've given apologies to Canadians for be, for persecuting gay people. They've given uh, Chinese Canadians an apology for the head tax. They've given Sikh Canadians an apology for being refused in 1903. They owe us in a big apology, and that's what I'm asking for when I'm in Parliament this week. I'm demanding they give us an apology for all their abuse, for all their persecution, and on top of that, that they have the least moral right of anyone in the world to be in the marijuana industry. It's not acceptable. We will never permit it. Uh, um, Okay. Uh, Let's take a call from Anne in Mississauga. Hi, Anne. Hi. Uh, Yeah, I'm calling uh, regarding, like uh, like I'm talking about smoking marijuana, right? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Well, it won't. It doesn't affect just the person that smokes it. I live in an apartment building, and next door to me, uh, she wasn't there very long. When she would smoke, it would come into my. I would be inhaling it. I would smell it. So now I will have to deal with marijuana, and and we know what that does to your mind. I mean, you know, secondhand smoke. I quit uh, 14 years ago smoking because it's bad for your lungs. Now we're going to have both the smoking that's bad for your lungs and the marijuana that can alter your mind. And what about people who have children? Are they going to smoke marijuana in front of their children? I, I mean, guess that's, a, that's going to be up to them. Pardon? I said I guess that will be up to them. Yeah, but that's harmful to the children, you know? That's not good for the little kids to be inhaling, just like it wasn't good for us to be inhaling the regular smoke. Now we've got two things to deal with. And I've asked my GP and I asked my allergist. They were both against it. So I said, why don't you call the government? They said they don't listen to us. And they told me to call Trudeau's office, which I have, and I've called my MP. Now they've told me to email them, which I will be doing. But it doesn't affect just the person that's smoking the marijuana. It affects everybody around them. Okay. I... And the smell, too. And what, we don't know what it's going to do to us, too, you know? Because we'll be inhaling it also, right? Okay, I hear you, Anne. Thanks and, for your and call. They said, you know, people can smoke on their balconies. Well, on your balcony, you're next to your neighbor. Yep, so. that's uh, there are a lot of issues when you uh, share space. Uh, Anne, thanks for your call. Uh, Mark, do you have a response for Anne? Not particularly. We all have to make negotiations with our neighbors over smells and noises and parties and children and a variety of things. Uh, I've never had problems in. I'm 60 years old and have been living on my own for over 40, and I've never encountered a problem with a neighbor that couldn't be resolved. And, of course, that's you know normal human intercourse there that, you know, you just make arrangements. You try and listen to your neighbors and do what they would like. And I wouldn't want my neighbors, you know, finding an offensive smell in their apartment. Uh, I would do something about that. In fact, my apartment has air-cleaning devices and air-cleaning uh, material in it so that my neighbors don't ever smell my marijuana. Uh, Billy, uh, is there anything you can tell us about secondhand marijuana smoke? You know what? My uh, my only comment around this is from a medicinal perspective, there's other uh, routes of administration now. So from a medical cannabis, there's the opportunity for oils, capsules, vaporizers that don't necessarily burn and um, uh, create the same level of smell as well. So there's other things that uh, some people may do. And even on the recreational side, I'm aware that some people may use vaporizers instead of that as well, too. But uh, definitely from the smoke, there's, you know, there's a whole concept of the whole carcinogens because you're burning and things like that, just like smoking a cigarette. So there's definitely some of that concern. Um, but yeah, people are good. I think the government's going to need to figure that out in terms of that effect uh, in the surroundings and the environment. Okay, uh, let's hear from Tommy and Caledon. Hello, Tommy. Hi, how are you? Fine, how are you? Good, good. Well, uh, I'm against uh, marijuana. Um, and now with this liberal thing here, you know, I think it's more like a cash grab. Mm-hmm. And whatever the liberals do, it's always about money and votes. Um, I got a feeling they wouldn't even have gotten to be uh, Mr. Trudeau there if it wasn't for uh, legalizing the, the pot here. Uh, I asked uh, quite a few of my younger cousins, and I'd say 99% of them all voted for him because of the marijuana thing. Yeah, I think a lot of people did vote for him because of the marijuana thing. Yeah, I think that's why he got elected, I think. And uh, and every promise he made uh, was never really there. I think it's, what, two or three out of the whole bunch that he really kept. 
And I think he's going to try to push us as fast as possible because he wants to be our fearless leader all over again probably in the next couple of years, and I hope it doesn't happen. I mean, you know. Okay, Tommy, uh, thanks for your call. Um, Mark, uh, do you think that, uh, you know, do you think there's anything good with Justin Trudeau's promise to legalize marijuana? Well, the, the, the best thing was the discussion itself, the, the saying we are going to legalize, because now we're on a path towards a change in our regime. It's just that the change has been diabolically terrible. Um, it couldn't be much worse. I'm almost wondering if I should make a public statement saying I prefer marijuana to remain illegal, to remain in the hands of those who love it, to at least continue our persecution because all persecuted cultures become great, huge cultures eventually. Historically, any culture that was persecuted becomes larger and more prosperous and more well-known and more tougher because of the persecution. So history validates that we're persecuted and that we have a righteous argument to our freedom. And so I'm thinking, you know, this government picked the most stupid, ridiculous, communist-style so-called legalization. It's really just a recriminalization, but um, they couldn't have picked a worse model. They they picked one from Soviet Union. You know, we control everything. We will provide it. We will, you know, deal with the demand. We will, you know, uh, it's just awful. Instead of just letting the people who love the plant, who've been growing the plant, who've been participating, 95% of all people involved in the marijuana industry are not involved with organized crime. There's endless numbers of stories and research to to validate that these are just ordinary Canadians who love marijuana, who love to grow it, who love to smoke it, who are part of a culture that's got hundreds of years of history and certainly 50 years of history in this country. And we're going to keep our culture. We're not surrendering it to government. The whole thing is absurd. We're going to keep opening stores across Canada. We're going to keep breaking the law until the law reflects something respectable that we can live with. And right now we can't live with any of it, so we're not going to obey any of these laws. We're not going to respect them. The government is purely turned its back on the cannabis culture, and we're going to turn our back on them. Okay, uh, let's hear from Eileen in Thornhill. Hello, Eileen. Um, I see from my screen here that you're against legalization. I just oh, want... I, I uh, most definitely am. And okay. listening to your guest today, he doesn't sound like he has much respect for any law. Uh, he says it's prosecute, or, or persecute, sorry. I see it as protect, and I'm glad I had this when my children were growing up because I feel sorry for the people now that are going to have the teenagers dealing with. And as far as controlling it, his cavalier attitude that this is just a plant, so is opium. And, I mean, <laughs> I'm glad we have somebody that, that protects us from that because what's next after the marijuana is my question. And as it goes now, as far as controlling... They can't control the the people with their cell phones. So now you'll have people in cars probably that are smoking this as well because there's people like your guest who think this is just so cool. Personally, I think that a pharmacy is the place for that to be controlled where there's some kind of actual monitoring. And if it's for health purposes, absolutely. But I don't want to smell the cigarette smoke since I'm not a smoker. Why should I want to be in my backyard and somebody else has the right to be sending across something, some, as far as I'm concerned, should be an illegal drug that I have to be breathing and my grandchild and my children? Okay, Eileen, thanks very much for that. You're very welcome. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay, let's go to uh, Christine in Mississauga. And I just want to throw something out there. There was a poll done on this model of legalization and um, 
most people do Justin Trudeau uh, and the federal government says that this will cut down on the number of young people using marijuana below the age that they are allowing. And most people don't believe that. So, uh, Christine and Mississauga, do you have any thoughts on that? Um, yes, I, I, I don't think it'll cut down. But what I think is I think it's OK for it to be legal because there's people who need it for different reasons. And you shouldn't be have a criminal record if, for smoking pot. However, I really think there's more to it than just it's just a, it's just pot. I started smoking it when I was very young, uh, coerced into doing it. And at that time, it wasn't just pot. They mixed it with hash, and it was, it left me with a lifetime of uh, flashbacks and terrible symptoms that are much, much better now. But people have to remember, it's not, you have to be careful where you're getting it from. And for that reason, I think the government being involved, you know you're going to get something that's not going to be mixed with things that it shouldn't be mixed with. Because that, that was what it was like years ago. Well, that's that's another one of the arguments, though. There was an issue with the uh, the government licensed place. There were pesticides in the marijuana. Christine, thanks for that. Um, we we are uh, starting to uh, run out of time here. Uh, let's take one more from Karen in Burlington. Hello, Karen. Hi. Uh, thank you for taking my call. You're very it welcome. Was, uh, an interesting and informative program on Marketplace last Friday, where they looked at marijuana. Uh, after seeing that program, I would be very much against uh, having it available. First of all, uh, the apparently the current crop of marijuana that they're growing has a, a high active ingredients than in the past, uh, comparing to marijuana in the 70s. It, there was a lady on the program that said uh, her use of marijuana, which started at a young age, has made her an addict. Um, there was uh, pretty good evidence to, effect, uh, to say that uh, the teenage brain is negatively impacted with marijuana. Uh, also, uh, some of the tests indicated that uh, using marijuana can lead to schizophrenia kind and paranoid kind of behaviors. And then they looked at Denver uh, since the, uh, they legalized and were selling marijuana at the storefronts. There has been an increase uh, visits to emergency, and uh, apparently children have also uh, eaten uh, and ingested uh, food that had marijuana in it, and they became very, very ill. So overall, I would say uh, no to uh, having marijuana at the storefronts. Uh, I don't like the government uh, selling marijuana, but at least there's some control. Uh, there. As far as medicinal marijuana goes, if it is for medicinal purposes, I feel it should be sold at the pharmacy in pill form. Let's treat it like a drug. Okay, Karen, thanks for that. You're welcome. Okay, well, uh, uh, Billy, I see a lot of support out there. Pharmacists <laughs> want to uh, be in on that particular business. I see uh, the public thinks that's, a, or some people, we're not. It's not exactly a scientific poll here. Are, uh, uh, you know, support that idea? 
you know, it's, uh, it's key. I think everyone needs to differentiate between what was announced, which is recreational, and what's yep. medicinal. And I think we're going to see more and more data and information to show that there are uses and benefits of medicinal cannabis. There absolutely and, are. Yeah, and there's different forms. And I, I think we're going to see new things come out that will allow people to take advantage of that from a medicinal purpose. And definitely, you know what? The pharmacy, from an access perspective for medicinal use, is uh, definitely a potential opportunity down the road. Okay. Um- uh, and uh, Mark Emery, what would you like to leave us with? Uh, when is your appearance before the committee, and uh, what are you going to tell them? Jody and I testify this Friday between 1.30 and 3.30. I'm going to demand our apology for 50 years of, you know, ruthless uh, persecution. I myself have seen 30 prisons and jails in Canada for marijuana, and, uh, and up to three months I got for just passing one joint in Saskatchewan. So the government has to apologize for this brutal law that's never had any social good, never any public good. It's just bigotry. The reason marijuana laws were passed in the first place was to punish black people, natives, Chinese, and Mexican people who may or may not be coming to Canada in the 1920s. And for nearly 100 years, it's been used to demonize us and arrest us and persecute us and steal our children and take away our homes and make our life very difficult and miserable over a plant that has only good things to offer. It doesn't kill anybody. And, and you know, the government talks about control. What about the eight people they killed in Walkerton, Ontario, with their government-approved water? Government's already killed more people with their water than marijuana's killed in this country in 50 years. So if you think the government is trustworthy, I mean, and do we, any of us think the government is trustworthy? It's absurd to put this plant in their hands. You'll never see any innovation. You won't see any developments medically. In fact, the Health Canada website says there is no medical benefits that they acknowledge to marijuana itself. So the government is, is occupying this really hypocritical area where they want to sell it, but currently on their own Health Canada website, they say marijuana has no verified medical use whatsoever. Well, we'll have to check that out because uh, medical marijuana, medicinal marijuana, of course, is legal. Uh, Mark, thanks very much for joining us. And Billy, uh, the same. I'm sure this issue is going to come up again and again. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.